Welcome to a very special edition of um, New Realities and Portal to Ascension joint conference on this international forum on UFOs. And the purpose that I wanted to have for this is to show this is a worldwide phenomenon. It's not something isolated to the United States or parts of Europe or South America. This is a global phenomena. And we have some amazing researchers and, and people really on the scene here from Asia. This is like a kind of Asian component. And maybe we'll do a series, Neil. I'm working with Neil Gar here, Portal to Ascension, on different parts of the world and then like bring everyone together. So, uh, Neil, do you want to introduce who's here today with us? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just want to first say hi to everybody tuning in. And I am excited for this. Um, something definitely been in you know, the back of my consciousness for quite some time is the reality that this is a worldwide phenomena and that there's so much um, information for us on the US circuit. So really expanding it outside. And when you expand it beyond that too, um, it's not so much of the, you know, even though there's a lot of experiencers and testimonies of experiences in the States, there's a lot of concentration on like the mainstream, you know, the UFO disclosure um, from the government. So it expands out of out to more of the experiencer and what is actually happening so we can start integrating you know, the reality of this, um, you know, this phenomena and what this really means for humanity, the bigger picture. So that's my two cents on this right here. And I'm excited to continue this for hopefully we can do this every few months, you know. Definitely. Right. Um, one more thing I want to say is that, you know, I just think the phenomena is talking or interacting with us on a global level and that's really part of this too so yeah let's yeah. tell people who's here today and um all right so let me go ahead and introduce who we have with us on this panel we have pete whitley here with us Wait, say hi pete hello and pete whitley is the national director of mufon of japan and a member of the mufon experiencer resource team a former counselor with degrees in psychology and biology he is also an experiencer himself. As a researcher, he primarily focuses on reports of human contact with non-human intelligence. His pioneering work in astral projection has resulted in a new contact modality for interaction and communication with our visitors. You can keep up with his latest research on PeteWhitley.org. So welcome, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Definitely. And then we also have Greg. Greg, go ahead and give us a wave. And Hi. Greg is a JSETI director. Greg Sullivan is a researcher, author, experiencer, and musician who has been generating a vast array of ET contact resources from Japan for 11 years. Through several hundred guided ET contact retreats, he has done an extensive study of Japan's spiritual elements, those both known and unknown to the West. Overcoming the formidable language barrier, Greg carries out his work in fluent Japanese, interfacing with many publishers and media outlets, including nationwide TV programs. With a growing community of tens of thousands around Jap Japan and overseas, Jay Seti is helping to expand the Japanese spiritual potential for the modern cosmic age. And currently with a side project ETSPI, which is extraterrestrial spirituality, he helps clients in the Starseed and Indigo community to come into full awareness to the hidden potentials and overcome many of the sometimes inflexible boundaries placed on them by Japanese society. This ascension work incorporates advanced healing work with guided with ET guides for light body and full conscious activations. Greg, it's so good to have you here, brother. Thanks, Neil. Nice to meet you today. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here. And Xiao Ma. Thank you. Yes, Xiao Ma is 
it's how this whole thing happened. I, I can read Xiao Ma. She's a Chinese UFO researcher in the consciousness studies field. She has an extensive contact experience with non-human intelligences through various paranormal contact modalities. She has been invited to various media forums, channels, conferences in China and around the world. And her focus is on sharing, discussing UFOlogy and spiritual information with the Chinese, about the Chinese, even though she had to leave China herself to do that. Xiao, thanks for being here. And this whole thing really started with you when I interviewed you originally, and you um, said you had, were in touch with a lot, of, um, a lot of people in Asia, really. And do you want to just talk about what the Asian UFO scene is? And, you know, that includes Australia, where you're located, and um, your interests, and, and, and how you see this as a worldwide phenomena. So, yeah, please. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks, Alan and you. So how I got into this is um, after the, our last interview, as you know, so I reached out to Pete and Greg who are based in Japan. And both of them are quite famous in Japan in terms of UFO and spiritual sort of um, information and materials. So uh, we basically just connected through various friends, recommendation. Um, that's, and then we had a, quite a few um, I would say private meetings online, getting to know each other. So that's how we literally connected based in Asia. Because my thoughts are, um, we rather than just have that silo mindset running our own show, we better just make that connection. So every now and then on a quarterly basis like that, and you know, Peter and the Greg and I, or even a, a Korean UFO researcher, we can exchange some information about what's going on in Asia. And we can just compare the local experiences with each other, like, oh, that's what's going on in China, in Japan, and Korea. And we're more than happy to, you know, join your show and your new show just to share information with our you know, brothers and sisters in Western countries. Well, what is going on? I'll ask everyone here and Neil jump in too. What is going on let's, in Asia and China in particular where you're connected? But tell, tell people who don't know about the UFO phenomena in those places. And Asia, which is really the largest population on the planet, is, is Asian. So, yeah. Yeah, look, I'll make that very short. So basically, from my perspective, what's going on in China is that so many people, if people know that there are literally 1.4 billion population in China, which is a very big country, of course. So a lot of people in China, especially the younger generation Chinese, are starting to waking up. When I say that, not just mean they have to know ufology, but also to the point that, you know, they're very conscious, aware about what's going on in their life and, you know, and the interaction with interdimension. Uh, interdimensional beings or spirits like that. And you may heard about the contact modalities, which introduced by Ray Hernandez. So that's kind of various different form of contact experience that happening in China, literally right now. And this is just so common to see so many people are fully awakened at this stage. Mm -hmm. But the issue with China is, um, again, that's very unique. Part of the Chinese is that we have to battling with the political control. That is something very different 
compared, uh, you know, compared with our uh, Western community, because if people want to do a show, they can literally open up and just be a YouTuber. But that's really not the case in China. There's a lot of risks that people need to take just to step outside of their comfort zone to share. Look, this is me. This is what's happening to me. That's what's going on. So you might risk your life or even be, to be put in jail if you're willing to do that. It's, it's a very high risky sort of position for people to take. So I just want to share the information that in China, yes, a lot of people are fully awakened and they're really thirsty looking for information like the information from your platform and news um, portal to ascension. But it's just from the grassroots level. But meanwhile, we have to face that kind of very stringent political control, suppression. Um, at least that's from my perspective. Um, Chinese are battling with this kind of situation uh, more than any other countries around the world. So I'll leave um, the Japan side to Peter and Greg to comment. Right. I'm just curious before you go, um, or, or we'll move on, but uh, what's the percentage of people in China that are aware of the UFO phenomena? I mean, is there, can you, because I mean, who knows yeah. what it is here? Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, look, I just in my opinion, again, just my, uh, um, my yeah. perspective, I think, strictly speaking, just looking at the contact modality in a form of UFO contact, ET contact, I would say 30% to 40% people um, would just say admit or, or say yes, they have that kind of contact more or less. Mm -hmm. And you get maybe more like 20 or 30% of people say, oh, I don't remember or I don't know, but I'm very open to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually thinking maybe only one third of the population uh, will say, I don't believe this, this is right. crap or whatever. So I think more than half of the population in China, more or less, are quite open to mm. this topic, but they're very conscious, like very careful about what they can share and admit to it in public. Right. It's dangerous to be a ufologist in China. Yes. Well, let's move to Japan. We'll come back to China. So Pete, you're 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 part of the MUFON organization. So what is the situation in, in Japan and what's like because you're tracking all of Japan and their sightings. So what's what's going on there? Japan has a vibrant UFO community. Um, you know, I find Japanese people to be very open to it. Um, one difference, I would say, as an American living in Japan, I believe that um, in Japan, UFOs are prominent. We do see UFOs on TV quite a bit, for example. But in my opinion, it seems like it's treated more as entertainment here. Versus whereas in America, there's a little more, especially now, serious discourse going on. But we it's, certainly have that vibrant community. Yeah. It's still entertainment here for the most part. But um, so what what's going what kind of sightings are people having and what's like the percentage of the population? But what, what are you seeing in Japan? Um, in terms of differences from what we see in America, uh, the sightings, the reports we get here in Japan from at MUFON, we get a lot more of the orb reports, um, lights in the sky that seem to be intelligently controlled. Versus on the American side, we get a lot of the more traditional saucer or cigar-shaped 
UFO sightings. So that's a difference, you know, and I'm not sure exactly what we, what we can attribute that to, but that is a difference. But how many reports do you get, like, a month, a day? I mean, is there a central MUFON place in Japan to report, and how many do you get? Yeah, MUFON's not that well known in Japan. You know, the past two years since I've been the national director here, I've been trying to get it more well known. You know, we get anywhere from a half dozen to a dozen reports a month, you know. I'd like to see that go up. You know, in America, we get dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of reports, regardless of where you are, yeah. But yeah, as part of my part of my role here is to raise an awareness. And thank you for having me on. Hopefully this helps get the word out. Well, hopefully this will reach an international crowd. You know, one more thing about reports. My, I figure that for every sighting that's reported, it might be hundreds that go unreported. I mean, I haven't reported my sightings. I mean, I just had like, you know, I mean, last couple of years, couple of, and then it's like, well, that was interesting, but you know, yeah. so. Sightings are like cockroaches, you know? If you get one report, there's a hundred that have gone unreported. Absolutely. Right, well, thanks. We'll come back to you. And uh, Greg, thank you also for being here from Japan. So. What's the perspective you see from your point of view, and, and how do you work with MUFON also, Greg? Hi, Alan. Yep, nice to see you again today. Uh, yeah, um, I've met, uh, thanks to Shell's amazing coordination here, uh, um, Peter and I have connected, and we've connected with other researchers in Asia, and it's exciting to finally bring all of our uh, 10 years or so of J-City activity to the Western world. Uh, I, it takes all of my effort to do I'm fully focused in the Japanese community here full time, so I rarely get the occasion to do videos and stuff in English. So I'm I'm so thankful for this meeting today. Um, but yeah, uh, our perspective is, has been really to connect that um, very active uh, um, UFO kind of entertainment sort of slash occult community, um, connecting the two fields with the very vibrant uh, spiritual community as well. So we've provided a bridge that that lets people move out of the potential fear factor and sort of the the old uh, abduction and implant paradigm to more of the actual, you know, having your own experience and uh, the spiritual awakening slash um, in inner ascension um, aspect of things. So I find that um, especially in the last since the lockdowns have started, um, you know, Japan was uh, quite behind this curve within uh, with YouTube and everything. So uh, it was really um, kind of a, um, a publisher's game up until then where you have to, you had to have um, your own platform. I, you had to have a connection to a publisher or whatnot to get the word out. But now that really the dam is, uh, the levy is broken and we have a whole new generation of YouTubers and people are um, coming on more and more with their own uh, sightings and video and own experiences in Japan here all across the country. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the a kind of spiritual awakening there in Japan, and I think that's Xiao's connection to the Chinese people coming forward and talking about that. So what is the kind of spiritual scene in Japan, and, and how is that connected, you see, to the UFO phenomena? Um, the spiritual New Age scene here is extremely well-developed, and, um, you know, we've had a lot, there was a Bashar boom in the 90s, and, and they have a lot of Western um, kind of authors and speakers here over the years, but um, besides channeling, there has been a lot of, there was a lot, um, a lack of actual sort of disclosure slash ET contact um, information, so we've done, a, we one of our purposes to be uh, working through JSETI is to kind of fill that gap, and 
Uh, we've done over 500 contact retreats and outings over the last 10 years where we've had just amazing experiences. Um, like Pete mentioned, uh, the light ships and orbs are really active and actually a lot of craft on the ground, like in the mountains. And um, there's a long history of that um, Hinotama, it's called you know, balls of light, um, Hinotama. There was several instances around through the 80s, 70s, 80s and 90s in uh, Nagano prefecture and um, different um, ancient power sites and, and areas around Japan where there have been um, long uh, decades of local sightings, uh, uh, you know, um, reported by all sorts of people from all walks of life. But but one more question, and then Neil, please join in. Um, are there abductions going on in Japan? Are people reporting that? Maybe Pete can also answer that. But yeah, I mean, yeah we do get abduction reports from here in Japan. Yeah, yeah we, we do. do. Wow. Yeah, we do. What do you find, Greg, too? That um, I, you know what's funny is here is a lot of people have to see uh, the contact stories that I've encountered have been uh, a lot of people as uh, elementary school students. They, uh, I have a lot of people come up to me and say, um, we all, uh, we as a group of students, we all saw this ship, you know, in the schoolyard or a lot of people have that kind of, um, that's been a case in Australia and other countries over the uh, years where, you know, they have this mass sighting as children. So Africa, the, the seed, right, right. The Africans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So the seed was planted. And so that um, as as these people have become adults, um, they're not averse to the topic. So I think they're like, uh, I agree with Pete completely. Um, it, the people are very open minded to it here. And, and they have um, through the ancestral spirit and the Shinto and Buddhist teachings that they are open to the world of the unseen. Um, yeah. But but there has been a lack of really more modern uh, information lately. So um, thanks to our work and and others uh, uh, getting the word out. Um, we're really kind of bring uh, kind of doing a version update of uh, the UFO mm -hmm. scene here. Yeah. Yeah, Neil. What we well, I'm just I'm just taking it all in, just learning from everyone here. But um, it's, it's really nice to just hear you know what's going on around the world. And um, you know, I kind of had a feeling, Shao, what you explained about China that you know it's definitely not something commonplace that people can just speak about openly. And then the whole concept of what you said about like in the US that influencers can just start a YouTube channel and no one's going to give them any anything um, for doing that, you know, and they can even make money from it from YouTube and just do it full time. And we get that opportunity here, which makes this awareness get out on a whole unprecedented level. But over there, like if you were to do that, you know, you could actually probably get arrested or, you know, something along those lines. Right. And so can you speak on that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Let me give you a very simple example. Like, as you may know, that Ray Hernandez, he's actually a co founder of Free FIE, but now it's called uh, CCI. So, Ray actually proposed to me that, hey, Shell, so many things going on in China. Why don't you just uh, circulate a survey? And we like to see the statistics. Uh, collected from China about the ET experiences. I think it's a great idea, like, but a lot of Westerners doesn't understand how difficult to do so in China. Like, I want to do that, even though I've got the connections, I can just circulate to all my viewers and friends and they can come back to me. But you need to be extremely careful in China. Reason being, if I circulate such a survey, try to collect those called data, right? So the Chinese government may see that action itself is trying to collect 
like more like a spy-like sort of like behavior. Are you trying to do a survey about Chinese in terms of that? Why you try to collect that information, collect that data? So even though it's very um, from a goodwill uh, a place with a good intention to support consciousness study, but such action itself may have a different interpretation from a political thing. So you need to be very, very careful. Even though I hold um, uh, two conferences in China, people say, oh, you know, it's very it's such a simple thing. You can give them a form to feeling about this and that. Yes, it all sounds good. But in China, everything you need to do, you have to be extra vigilant, think twice or three times before you do so, because you may get yourself into big trouble, which you already have. So I totally agree with you on that. It's just uh, in China, it's a totally different, um, uh, different game. So people need to be very careful. Otherwise, right. they may put you in jail. Well, that so, was my yeah. follow-up question to that <clears throat> was, how do you fly under the radar? But you just said you already got in trouble once. So how do you fly under the radar if you're doing two conferences? And what do you mean by, you know, you got in trouble once? Yeah, so I elaborated a bit more during my last interview with um, Alan back in last year. So what happened is, I think it's all um, sort of like a designed by uh, extraterrestrials from higher realms. So one of the advantage which I have is that I'm actually based in Sydney, Australia. So I'm not physically based in China at this stage. So when I started to share my information with all the Chinese, is I would do so very similar like to like YouTube stuff, but through WeChat, they have like a video functions or audio functions. So, but during that time, I'm talking like back in 2016, 17, 18, that time when China wasn't so absolute close on those topics. So every, every now and then you can share the information but when I share, you know, people listen to you and give me some feedback and just, you know, that kind of interaction. But what I actually learned is uh, a lot of the local authority will tap into those calls and uh, emails, try to see what's going on. But they try to remain on radar, try to check me out, who is she, what's her background, what she's doing here. But wasn't that bad. So even though the information I shared in China, Every now and then I can see the interviews being taken out from the mainstream like a platforms in China, like very, very similar to YouTube. They will take them out and then my friends have to upload it again. Like my fans have to upload it again and you wait for two weeks and it's being sort of um, marked as a, you know, the yellow sign. So they try to take that down again. So it's a bit of battle. Um, uh, so the things really kind of go downwards when I finally able to complete two conferences in China, but that's another story, it's very lengthy, uh, but was uh, putting a lot of effort with all my friends and just such a battle just to have that two conferences in China, Shanghai and Beijing. But eventually we got into big trouble. So the local authority actually almost tried to hunt me down. Um, they sort of called me an alien cult leader, trying to start something new in China. Um, and they literally told me off and not to come back to China. And wow. they, they put me in the official CC, like CCP official newspaper, such a release. Whoa. 
this is what happens and you must not allow to do that nobody can follow her it's some, like very similar things like that and you know how the we call the intelligence community play this kind of game they will try to put you down like demean you or she's a liar she's this and that she's not this and this so try to basically be uh ruin your reputation um, and then hopefully nobody will follow you again so i got into big trouble um, after that two conferences and no one can literally find all my information on chinese mainstream medias anymore not even alternative smaller channels that's all being removed mm -hmm. uh, so but that's a risky job to do in china you have to be very careful mm -hmm. about the words that you could use during each interview. So it's a take a lot of your brain power to think about how to articulate to sort of give your viewer a hint about what you're trying to say. So mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, I can say whatever I want, just like in this channel, I can share with everyone. It's not like that. So people need to appreciate the freedom of speech in Japan and in the Western world. So we don't really get that much in China. Right. So are you communicating with Chinese now or are you kind of um, blocked from communicating with Chinese um, citizens? I'm blocked from um, going public about my information. But nevertheless, as you have that um, sort of like a fan group or friends group, so as you in com constant contact with them. So, yeah. Privately so you're still in touch with a lot of Chinese people reporting their interactions, huh? Yeah, yeah, not just like a friend and fans on friends, but also there's quite a few uh, famous figures in China too. Not necessarily the uh, in the UFO community, but like spiritual leaders in China, such a mm -hmm. small community. So basically, everyone knows each other. Some of them are quite supportive and say, "Yeah, I see what's going on." So I do um, keep that good relationship with them. So that's the good things about it. But just more like friends to friends level privately speaking, not in a public sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay, well, well, just want to ask Pete that came to me the idea, how, how big is the UFO sightings all over Asia? I mean, I know you're in Japan, but are you tracking the area as well? So what, what do you sense there in that part of the world? Well, I sense it's very big. I sense, honestly, I sense it's just as big as it is anywhere else. I think, honestly, sightings occur all over the world, pretty much to the same degree, to be honest with you. And, you know, with my work with the Experience or Resource team, mm -hmm. um, we get, you know, what basically what happens when someone contacts MUFON and they, uh, in their report, they um, say that they had contact with an entity they forward that to us and we get basically the same kind of reports that we see all around the world. You know, there's a lot of similarities. Absolutely. I think it's the same all around the world. But it seems like at least here in this country, it's increasing. The, the, it seems like more there are more sightings. Is that true there as well? I guess there's more. Yeah, I, I would say so. In the past several years, there has been an increase. Absolutely. Greg, would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's it's definitely ramping up. I, I agree. Um, yeah. 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 So, what do you make of it, Greg? I mean, what what's going on, especially with this spiritual component as well? Uh, yeah, I think it's we're definitely in the uh, 
the hardcore you know heart of ascension you know the um neil's channel called the Port portal of ascension there so yeah we're in deep in the portal we're, we're we're more than halfway through so um yeah i think for me et contact is is uh you know the whole context of it is is uh ascension based in a way and, and the whole um this shift of timelines and this this literally you know into a new reality you know the shift into new reality so um we're retrieving our galactic heritage and learning that the ET groups are, you know, our galactic family. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them have been coming in and out of the earth for, for ages. So, um, uh, um, yeah, so basically um, for me, it's like a remembering of, of our, of our distant uh, galactic past, cosmic past. But do you think we're reaching a threshold where it's like going to just be right out there for everyone? Yeah, well, that's that's the tipping point that that sort of um, collective consciousness, the the one percent that's sometimes called, you know, where we're uh, we have to be a part of this process. So, you know, the, for for the ATs to come in and, and kind of impose themselves um, from the outside uh, um, is sort of a, would be a, a major violation of free will, as it's usually recognized. So um, the fact that we're getting involved on the from the ground to be a part of this, we're like cracking, breaking out of this cosmic egg, you know, from from the inside out. So they're they're helping us uh, and tending to all the the details outside the egg, but we're 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 about to be the chick that you know breaks down from the inside. So it's a it's a birthing process. There's a lot of growing pains, and and we're getting hit with you know one wave of uh, kind of you know uh things that can set us back as we see what's going on in the world right now you know so it's i think i feel the um you know the internal uh centering and the, the kind of divine neutrality all these things are are hints that are coming from et contact and and um and the spiritual contact as, as i like to call it I, I love what you just said divine neutrality can you just speak on that for a second yeah, so we uh, we just did a uh, I just got off a live stream on our YouTube with a, a couple thousand on live and we did this huge root chakra clearing because um, I find that, you know, um, just the uh, what you might call the core fear program and and core core fear core anxiety is, is, is triggered so much by um, these basic human survival fears like um, we've got war uh, disaster natural disaster, um, you know, uh, poverty. And all these things that are kind of coming at us all at one, and of course, disease, you know, the big one's been disease for the past few years. So um, all of that kind of is uh, stimulate stimulus to the damage and, and weak, weak points of our, um, our light body, and especially the root chakra. So we just did a giant uh, meditation where we cleared the root chakra, uh, also connecting to points on the earth that relate to the root chakra, uh, including Machasta. And then yeah, just kind of trying to uh, reprogram that into a neutral response where we where we don't get triggered you know um so a lot of the mental triggers start even below in the lower chakras and we went all the way down to the root um, of the problem <laughs> wow so so um there's like a spiritual revolution that's happening worldwide i mean you can see it here sort of but i mean i think xiao you also talked about that with the a lot of the chinese people you've been dealing with their their contact is more in a way spiritually based right is that what you were telling me can you talk about that yeah because every civilization uh as uh greg just mentioned have a different rules like as an asian especially for chinese they have a, such a connection with like 
and their ancestors and Buddhism and like a Tao sort of practice yoga qigong style qigong. So uh, um, they the whole civilization is actually quite spiritual, but not in a way that Westerners would think. Oh, you have to be a Christian. You have to do this to be considered as a spiritual person they have a different way of practice their spirituality for example it's maybe a, a connection with the buddhism or qigong which is very similar to yoga things um they are and not just ufo but also they have a strong connection with like all forms of contact modalities for example one of our interpreters uh during the conference he actually had a near-death experience. So he's really looking into a near-death experience like as a contact modality. So he uh, you know, formed a smaller group, talked to the local Chinese about that. So people try to uh, be awakened through different basically contact modality. Um, that's what I see from China. So um, yeah, and it could be as simple as, you know, people want to go to gym, eat healthy food. So that kind of lift them up, you know, in terms of uh, the awareness, the open mm -hmm. mindset. And I tell you what, even like the older generation in China right now, like my mom and dad generation, um, you would assume that they probably would be more close because they went through the cultural revolution and all sorts, you know, like a mindset things. But they starting to change their mind, like a mindset views on so many different things. So you can see more older generation are starting to have that mindset transformation. So I think that's part of a sign is to show that they're starting to step up to uh, the next level of evolution. So I think it's, I mean, there's people definitely moving away from religion here to like more of a a, a spirituality that's why portal to ascension i think is really gaining momentum because um people are looking for answers outside religion and so absolutely i love that idea it's interesting how that's really going hand in hand with the ufo phenomenon the spiritual right neil and so Oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, I just want to ask Xiao, because that was actually the question you asked was kind of the question I was thinking about, too. What's religion look like in China and how does it connect to spirituality? And then but just a little bit more, if you can maybe speak on this more is so when people are waking up to the whole UFO you know, phenomena in China, are they coming in from a fact of just a, like a reality that they exist and they're flying or is it becoming a spiritual um connection which is what i'm seeing in japan is that a lot of individuals there are more into the spiritual information which is why bashar adronis lisa royale all those individuals literally like work there full time for the most part so wow. what's, what's your take on that shell that's great look there are two different group of people from my perspective in china religion is very interesting things because when you look at buddhism it's not that kind of uh fix it uh fix into like a, a religious dogma that much so buddhism's bit like you know they always have that idea very common idea like if you believe it's real if you don't believe it's not there you know they don't really force you to believe that kind of setting like re religious dogma let's put it in this way what i actually see which is very strange in china is that when people just start to be awakened like very early stage of awakening they're very thirsty for information 
But again, in China, you know, like we all speak Chinese, so the information is very limited. So a lack of variety. So where people need to go, if they like, oh, I'm starting to be awakened, but really thirsty for spiritual information, something to resonate with their like internal feelings. So they looking for more. So generally speaking, funny enough, Chinese will turn into religion first. So as their like next um, groundbreaking sort of steps for them. The reason being, Buddhism really focus on not just like, oh, what does Buddha say that much, but focus on like meditation. Um, a bit of more like spirituality, like how to be healthy, meditate. So it's a, it's a more soft way to break into spirituality. When they stay for a few years or a few months and they think, oh, okay, I see what's, what's this all about. And then they would do some yoga, Reiki. Reiki is very popular in China. And then they would just uh, transform into pure spirituality. So no longer based on religion. So interesting in China, what I see is when people starting to have that awakening, they normally go into religion first and then dive in, dive out and seek different kind of pathways for their soul evolution. So that's just very unique sort of phenomena in China compared with the Western world. Well, you know, it's too bad that Mao and the Cultural Revolution wiped out a lot of the innate spirituality in China. The Taoist traditions are very, very spiritual and they destroyed a lot of Taoist temples. A lot of them escaped to Taiwan. So the whole idea of spirituality has been just knocked out of at least the older generation there. I know because I studied Chinese medicine. I asked one of the teachers there from China, who was communist China, I said, what do you think of the I Ching? And they, she said, oh, that's superstition. And she, they, missed, they missed the whole spiritual connect. That generation missed, I feel, the whole spiritual connection to their own tradition, to their own fantastic tradition. But I guess now it's coming back is from what you're saying. I just want to just respond to your brilliant point, because if you know the Chinese communist um, fundamental doctrine, communist party, uh, even Soviet Union, they only believe like everything is material. There's right. nothing beyond materialistic world. So if they really cling to that political mindset of belief, they must not allow any other sort of um, ideology to exist. So if you say to them, oh, hang on a second, there's an you know, extra dimension, like into dimensions in the world, you kind of try to challenge their fundamental political sort of stance. Mm -hmm. So that's why they will not allow this to happen, regardless whether it's Buddhism, religion, or Tao Yoga. Um, anything that contains spirituality will be very challenged. Uh, by the political suppression because you literally said no CCP you were wrong because there's more than just material world so they don't like that so you can see the constant battle between the spirituality and uh, the political belief so yeah yeah wow. no, you're right but I want to get back to Pete in Japan thanks Xiao that's great to get that perspective from on a planetary level, but I'm also interested, Pete, in have you seen any hardcore UFO case? Like, what's the most exciting UFO MUFON case that you've seen in Japan over the last couple of years? And what was the interaction with ET consciousness there? Um, you know, in the past several years, I would say we've had some, in, we've had some exciting um, videos and pictures delivered to us. 
Um, if we want to talk about Japan and the most exciting ET contact, yes. we'd, have, we, we'd have to go back to like the 70s, you know, for instance. I, in fact, I can relate to you a story from the 70s. One of my yes. favorites actually is someone, someone that's interested primarily in human extraterrestrial non-human intelligence contact. Something called the Kofu Incident. This happened in 1975. There were two boys um, walking home from school. They saw an orange ball descend into a rice field, okay? The orange ball lands, reveals itself to be a silver saucer, okay? Out of this silver saucer comes a ladder. Down the ladder comes about a four foot tall entity, brown, very unlike the typical extraterrestrial you and I might think of. No facial features, save for a few fangs, okay? Now, these boys at this point are up close to the UFO, and they can see inside this object, and they see another smaller entity inside there. Now, this entity that was outside comes and taps one of the boys on the shoulder. And of course, rightly so, that boy freaks out. His friend has to basically carry him out of the field, and that's that. Now, that would just be a story if it had not also been sighted. That orange ball was sighted both before and after coming and going from that field, right? Yeah. To me, that's one of the biggest human, non-human contacts in Japan, Japanese history. Wow, that's a great story. And that was in the 70s? That was... Yeah. That's when the UFOs had ladders. I guess they don't have ladders. <laughs> but they say, you know, Grant Cameron in the, my books, I say, you know, the UFO appeals to our sense of technology. So, right? Yeah. Do you find that to be true? Uh, Absolutely. You go back to, you know, the, the early 1900s and people report seeing airships, right? You know? But, it, you know, in Jacques Vallée, Jean Kiel talk a lot about this, too. Right. And like you just said, the phenomenon presents itself in ways in which we can relate to it. Mm -hmm. There is a certain point where if we see something, we would not be able to understand it whatsoever. It mm -hmm. has to come down to our level to some extent. No, that's you're absolutely right. So, Greg, then with the people that you're interacting with, like the next level, like with Pete is saying, is this uh, idea of consciousness, you know, so it's like, and also maybe what's happening in China, people are having dreams, but so the interactions, as we kind of become more spiritual, I guess the interactions are happening more on that level. Is that true that you see, Greg? Yes, uh, I agree. Like uh, with that, with the Kofu incident, you know, Japanese people have been such amazing observers, and there was a really active, um, you know, Adamski. The, uh, the there were several groups cropped up around the George Adamski movement, so that there is a uh, quite a bit of a research history history from that point. But yeah, but it is um it is now shifting a lot more into the um you know this sort of kind of like I mentioned before the galactic uh, level of things and and more um, esoteric things like, like you're seeing dream contact and, and um, energy activations and, and all these sorts of um, uh, 
non-physical, um, you know, and uh, communication, telepathy, and and uh, um, light language, all this. So every genre under the sun, people are kind of um, exploring here. So yeah, and uh, we we've had some amazing um, interactions. Uh, the ET guides behind our project have really pushed me out into the media. Um, we we had a few. Uh, we had a few years offline uh, because of the control here. That's sort of not as aggressive as China, but it's definitely there. Um, uh, but in the last couple of years, we've had a couple. We've had uh, some really, really big TV shows become become interested in, and they always ask me to go out into the field and and induce the sighting or kind of call the ships in. And and almost every time we've had sightings come and, and ships come and I've filmed them. So um, that culminated in a in a huge event over Shibuya, which is that giant. Um, uh, intersection you see in like Lost in Translation and everything, the biggest intersection in the world. It's my, uh, it's about five minutes from my house. In Tokyo, in Tokyo, in Tokyo, right in the center of Tokyo. Yeah. So we had a, a group of 60 people in on December 9th, the last year on, on top of a building that's right at that intersection uh, on about a, a 50th floor observatory. And we had, um, right as we started, uh, an, a white orb come right near the group, like just a few, maybe 10 meters away and, uh, and buzz the group. And then we uh, we did a giant circle and a giant meditation, and they they pulled out all the stops. They had like uh, what looked to be like white uh, white spotlights in the sky that were coming from inside of the clouds, and they were yeah. like moving in different anomalous formations. So um, I think it's been really intense to be uh, in this kind of lockdown culture, doing contact on the uh, on the front line and just inducing it now and and, and seeing you know. Uh, the the up the information up until now has been a great foundation to work from, but uh, it's so exciting and so inspirational to find that the these 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 this phenomenon is active. It's 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 right there. It's growing right there with us, and and they respond to our requests that uh, you know inst almost instantly at times. Well, so do you do a CE five to uh, Greer CE five protocol to call them in, or do you yes. modify it with your own stuff? Both. I do both. I brought C5. I introduced C5 uh, to Japan since 2010 mm -hmm. and uh, working with CSETI uh, from that time very closely. And um, and then I've also modified that more with um, uh, one of my other big inspirations is Lisa Renee. She's the energetic synthesis. She's like a soul sister mm -hmm. of mine. Huge. Oh, let's get Lisa Renee on portals. Yeah, she's amazing. She's is she, a serious she in Los artist. Angeles? She's in... No, she's now, um, she moved around quite a bit, but I think they're in North Carolina, I believe now. But yeah, we, we spoke on mail briefly over the holidays. But yeah, I, I incorporated her um, um, 12D shield, which is that kind of, um, it's almost like, a, you know, encompassing the group in this giant cylinder. Um, and then, yeah, that just, uh, it's, it, it's become more and more of an energy work thing in the field now. Just, it's a shortcut to really... Um, you could skip a lot of the meditation and just go, cut right to the chase with this um, establishing the energetic connection. Great, great, great. Oh, you know, I just remembered, Pete, there's a famous case from, I think, the 1600s off the coast of Japan. Where, yeah. Usurobune. Usurobune. Yeah, talk about that for a second. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. That, that was um, roughly 1803. Dates vary. It happened in um, Hitachi, Ibaraki Prefecture. Uh, what happened was a um, a ship. Um, if you look at drawings from the time, it looks it looks more or less like a UFO washed ashore there. Some fishermen found it. Um, it opened up. A young lady stepped out. They said she was extraordinarily beautiful. 
obviously foreign. She spoke a language no one in the village could understand. Inside her ship was strange writing, um, beautiful, exotic, um, you know, ornaments and such. She held a box which she would not let go. She <laughs> held on to that box for dear life. <laughs> Boy, I wish we could go back in time and find out what was in that box. Right. But basically, they um, they gave her some provisions and they sent her on her way, which was tradition at the time. Yeah, that's a very famous case. There's actually an English book about or translation, an English translation of a book all about it. You can find it. Yeah. Uh, that, that place uh, actually is, uh, I think it was Edgar Mitchell who um, viewed Japan from the space shuttle and and uh, that place, Hitachi, um, he said it was like glowing and and that we've had amazing contact there it's just not too far from narita airport but uh there is something special there's a giant shrine there as well mm. it sounds like a power spot or a portal right i mean yeah yeah i think so inactivated uh, yeah you know pete, a lot of i have a question for pete real quick yeah, yeah. so so mufon is a lot of people um, in the states that are like into the spiritual extraterrestrial connection when it comes to thinking about MUFON a lot of them believe it's like the mainstream more nuts and bolts narrative right and I've been working with MUFON Orange County for the last two years because they couldn't do their live events so I've been doing it online so they've been doing it through Portal to Ascension so I got to know them um, I've had friends that were you know um, part of directors and different things in MUFON and I realized it's not really just that it's, it's a really wide range of information right you have like um, the spiritual the experiencers and the sightings reports so my question is being in Japan um, and seeming to be more of a community that is more connected to the spiritual essence do you feel that your the, the more sightings the more reports you get are connected to that spiritual energy rather like as opposed to maybe just the mainstream of just reporting the sightings that you may find in other countries absolutely absolutely and you make a great point there absolutely in fact while we may see sightings or um cases that on the surface are very similar to what you might see in the states the report the people that report these sightings or these experiences do feel a more spiritual connection that's one of the big differences absolutely yeah definitely um also i was going to say for Xiao, can you talk about um you said some of the chinese people a lot of the chinese people were having these interdimensional interactions with these people in dreams and can you talk about some of the cases that that you've come across and are documenting with some of the chinese spiritual visionaries yeah yeah um it appeared to me that uh seems like uh dream content is the most common content modality in china at this stage and um, but the issue is a lot of people not aware of uh, that and people don't even sometimes know that they are actually having a contact experience because it's, everybody knows in this panel that sometimes the higher realm beings can appear as a celebrities or they are possibly relatives and talking to them and give them information um so they don't know what, like who are those beings they just saw you know that's just uh, i had a great dream but what I actually learned from that is they tend to become more spiritual. One of the uh, cases which I can share is I know a girl, she shared that with me through an email. She said, when I 
she had a lucid dream um, and in the dream her past like a um, some kind of like her relatives came like her great-grandmother or something and told her very clearly in the dream say look um, you have a good heart but you also very misbehaved you you did something wrong in your life you must um, change the course of your life otherwise and then they just show her quite a few ambitions and things about going to hell you know things like that so basically after that dream believe it or not some people may have a very profound dream just by one dream she literally had that life transformation she's no longer behave as such person as she was so I just want to highlight that sometimes a dream contact can be very powerful uh, method to wake people up. And I've got that a lot, a lot um, from people, like people email me all the time. So say, oh, you know, the other day I had that dream, the being told me it's about to happen. And people may change their, like a diet habit just because in the dream state, you know, they learn this and that. Um, that's just very entry level. That some people may be, more aware that they are having a contact so they will say i mean this being from this planet they told me this and that i think alan a lot of time whether or not they have that level of awareness as whether they actually making that uh a contact with extraterrestrials or just they present themselves as a, a a friend or celebrity is based on that individual's kind of um openness some yeah. people open to you so aliens don't mind to show you like what they actually look like you know where they're from where some people even though they say they like to see ETs but they are very fearful so that's why some of the ETs will appear in a dream as like I don't know like a famous celebrity or could be their mom and dad um, but dream contact you absolutely spot on is the most common contact modality in China right now Mm. It's probably the safest too, right? Because uh... yeah, it's easier to, it's the most soft way to kind of um, break into their consciousness in a non-invasive method. Like that's what's happening. So once they kind of can accept that, gradually will evolve to a more clear lucid dreaming state. And the next stage will be uh, UFO sightings and may, maybe more closer contact, you know, see the orbs and others. Yeah, isn't it interesting, Neil? Like all over, people are having similar experiences. It's like this. Oh, it's it's definitely it's not. It's interesting for sure, but you know, I kind of felt that it probably would be right because this is definitely a global connection. We just happen to be in the U.S. And I say often that because um, on Portal to Ascension, we I have emails from people all over the place, you know, and I often give the example of the Kazakhstan family that hit me up. They don't have anybody can talk to about it. The Indian family that once a week they get together to watch my UFO videos UFO on portal dissension when the internet's working, you know? So like, I, I realized that in the US we're, especially in California, I'm oversaturated with this awareness, right? So just really branching out and reaching out to everybody around the world to provide community to people so that we can realize that this is that you're not alone, right? And this is happening. And it's an, it's an important part of who we are. Like, the fact that we're not alone in this universe, you know, like that's like one of the number one questions of like just our purpose on this planet and 
our fact that we have amnesia and don't remember everything like we're one big we're one piece of this entire cosmos so i just love everybody's um sharing today right well that's greg oh go ahead shao go ahead sorry i just had to add to that you contact one more point what i also witness is funny behaviors from people and the feedback for example regarding the dream content if they're aware that they're having that kind of content so i will ask them i say hey look what kind of ETs are in contact with you in a dream state? The most two common type of ETs are the Nordics and the gray-like beings. So sometimes when you listen to you, you kind of say, oh, that's where you come from. That's where they are. Because how could you just have that two types of contact? I don't believe that. Because I met all sorts of funny beings in different shapes and forms and this and that. So sometimes that makes me believe that because in China, information is very limited. So the understanding of ETs are very kind of limited to the stage that they, you know, the gray-like aliens, the most commonly seen alien forms through Hollywood movies and others. And Nordics, of course, everybody loves them and the you know, Palladians and this and that. So people just have that kind of biased view about how ET should look like. So I think why they only see that two types of beings is because subconsciously they literally blocked all other types of contact with you know the insectoid type or the 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 animal-like beings or or the 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 light beings so there is a lot of um sorry i have to say that maybe i'll offend someone but there's a lot of bias or discrimination or racism even in the et world in terms of who they want to contact so that's the most two commonly seen et beings that i have heard um, yes that's a really good point people see what they know and then as maybe conversations and other people make a breakthrough they saw a mantis being then then that field of awareness can filter into their consciousness exactly yeah, yeah. But, but Greg, how do we take this global, you know, I mean, you're working in Japan and, you know, we're all these isolated little civilizations, but this is like a major global human thing. This is a human issue. It's, it's, it's yeah. not isolated. So how can we take this global from your perspective? Well, I, I think uh, definitely, you know, the from my perspective, the C five initiative is a huge one where you know we're breaking, really getting over that hurdle of, you know, uh, not only has this world been uh, unconfirmed and unidentified, but it's all, you know, that that also means that it really it's not supposed to exist. But when we have our own direct experience um, and it's also repeatable, that that's that's uh, that's a huge revela revelation, and so I think uh, inducing contact, whether it's indoors or outdoors, or just kind of being willing to um, be, you know, take that initiative and and kind of uh, be open to the possibility is a huge uh, starter for one. I, I also would love to see more um, training. We actually were inspired in 2012 to create um, a sort of curriculum or videos where um, really kind of getting people used to the visuals, you know, of um, uh, what the actual ships look like. There needs to be a sort of a public education as to, you know, we have the words and the pieces are there, but um, it could be a little more, even more detailed. And I, I even went as far as to show the way the ships appear in a subtle um, form, you know, they, the scintillating lights and everything. So I was really almost trained by the guides and, and then inspired to 
make that DVD uh, so long ago. And, and uh, so um, the need for new kind of curriculum incorporating benevolent contact into maybe, you know, VR or, or video games and all that stuff. There's so much more that we, that we could uh, get into in the future. Yeah. So Greg, do you have uh, information on, because you've done so many CE5s on different types of ships and what they look like then? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. And uh, more of a subtle phenomenon, even in daylight sightings. So um, I noticed like, you know, when the crafts or when the craft is kind of coming into the physical and moving back out into, in, into the uh, non-physical, there's um, what they may have called neutrino lights. And uh, a researcher in Japan here won the Nobel Prize uh, for proving that neutrino lights have mass, neutrino um, particles have mass. And so, um, you know, Dr. Rehar has talked about that as well. Um, and so uh, we've actually, you're able to um, increase the level of vision. It's sort of like, I call it high vision where you've got your five sense vision plus the third eye. It's sort of like the, you're able to have, a, um, you know, maybe seeing prana in the sky and that, that um, the ships are able to interact with this kind of uh, high vibe, you know, um, eyesight. And then you're able to see you have you can have sightings in the daytime and and we've seen all sorts of uh we've had all sorts of people um have that ability that sort of high uh third eye come online with et contact here yeah well, it's interesting are there oh go ahead pete you guys say something please yeah i i just want to take back uh, go back neil said something very profound that's relevant to this conversation he was talking about you know this is a part of us and we've forgotten it right and what what this means is it's true we have latent abilities that we are not using and it also goes back to what Shao was talking about is how an entryway for some is in the dream state right mm -hmm. for others it may be simply witnessing a craft for mm -hmm. others lower down the scale it may be just hearing about the tic tacs right in order for us to all raise up to get to that point where we have, are able to access this universal consciousness, become one with it. We all have to take our own journey. And it is slow though, it, people are going at different rates, but exactly like Neil said, it's something we've forgotten. It's something that's within all of us. You know, I don't think any of us here are special in the way that we make contact. I think that it's just something we've built up. Wow, that is such a key, point that you just made there and you're not going to hear a lot of MUFON people in this country talking about that but that's exactly the perspective that we all need to have is that it's an evolution of awareness and it's not a, just about nuts and bolts or, or craft it's yeah Greg were you going to say something? Uh, yeah Pete, uh, Pete and I had a discussion on YouTube and he's uh he's gotten his own uh he's taken the astral projection and ET contact combination quite uh, quite far, and we uh, we got into some amazing territory in our interview there. So, uh, do you want to talk about to share that a little bit, Pete? Yeah, well, sure, sure, sure. Just for for a moment, yeah. Uh, I come from an experience or background CE four, right? And so that was my introduction to it. And I, I've had three, and I would call them abductions in the sense that I did not ask to be taken. Okay, for me. That was my introduction to this phenomenon. What happened was, after a history of being involved in hypnotherapy, um, 20 years on, I decided to mix it up a bit. Something tugged at me. It may not have been a coincidence. I looked into the out-of-body experience. 
I found out that it was real. I took some courses. What <clears throat> what I thought was, you know, I think there's a maybe a quicker way. So what I did is I combined some hypnotherapy with the typical astral projection process. And now I'm able to do so basically on any given day, as long as I have, you know, an hour to spare in a quiet room. It's stuff that's it's possible. People can do this. There's nothing special about me. I practiced it and I do it. Yeah, absolutely. What is it that can can you briefly outline what it is you actually practice a little bit? Absolutely, absolutely. What I do is I put myself into a deeply hypnotic state, okay? At which point I proceed to use the vibrational method to exit my body. And what that involves is, and Greg talked about chakras earlier, is vibrating each of your chakras. I start from the root, I go all the way up to the crown. Once I get to the crown, I pop out of my body astrally. Intent is key. There are many people around the world that practice astral projection. When I first started doing this, my intent has always been to contact these visitors, right? And I went out there anonymously trying to find other people. You know, is anyone else doing this? Not many people are, but intent is key. That's what happens. I go into a deep hypnotic state vibrate myself out which is the traditional astral projection method and boom i'm out and does it happen every time that you intended almost every time there are cases where i will fall asleep i would say and then happen to wake up at the end of the session if i don't know if i was asleep or maybe they just didn't want me to remember yeah wow Sounds like a portal to ascension workshop, Neil. There, you know, but but who do you meet? So you pop out your intent, and then do you actually meet some beings out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in two thousand twenty-one, actually, I had forty sessions of this. Okay, wow. Um, yeah, during those forty sessions, I met with primarily three gray entities: two gray, two small grays, one tall gray. I also met with two mantis entities. Mm -hmm. The reason I can say is that I met with five is that they all exhibited some form of a personality or individuality, right? Now, when I go up there, it's not so much as, hey, I'm on this UFO, I'm gonna go walk around. No, I'm a visitor, okay? And they have something to show me, yeah. So each and every time I've gone up, they've had something to show. And what did they show or tell you or communicate to you? I mean, interesting. Oh, a wide, a wide variety of things. Um, I've, se- I've seen how they fly the ships, for example. You know, they fly the ships via telepathy. Um, I've seen part of their, what, what we know as the hybridization program, where they raise children that look to be human to me up to about 30 years old, at which point they stop aging. Um, what they, I basically, they told me their overall mission is to help our ascension of souls. As mm-hmm. humans, we have souls and that's their job to help our souls develop. Yeah. Right. And you're in your astral body. You're not in your physical body. 
That is correct in my astral body, yeah. Wow, that's great. That is a great contact modality experience right there. Yeah. Fantastic. I think we're opening up as a planetary civilization to the fact that we are energy and that consciousness yeah. is the key to who we are, not just the body. I mean, the, the body is great, but... Um... Absolutely. It, it goes back just, you know, the all points in space and time are connected the space-time continuum it's true right there's a universal consciousness we're all a part of you know i am you you are me all of that so are you teaching this in japan are you is this like something you're teaching i'm not teaching it to anybody i have actually just recently i went public with it i was afraid people would think i'm a lunatic tell no. you two years ago i didn't believe in chakras this is all this is all new ground to me. You're a as natural, well. you're a natural Pete. Jeez. <laughs> apparently. Apparently, yeah. But I just now went out and I'm trying to teach it to people on the internet, you know, for free. If anyone's interested in learning how, contact me. Mm, great. Well, Greg, are there like spiritual leaders in Japan, Japanese people who are leading a kind of spiritual UFO connection movement? Like who are they and what are they saying? Um, uh, well, we're, of course, yeah, definitely, I'm, I'm a part of that. Um, but yeah, there, there's, a, I was going to say in relation, in reaction to the description is that um, I find that a lot of the old school, whether it be, you know, Hemisync is quite big here, or a lot of these old school modalities are kind of hitting the edge of their, um, they're hitting their shelf life. And, and it's going to be the ones that, that, that you know, not to insult anyone, but that, the ones that are going to be able to shift into this higher dimensional perspective are the ones that are, are going to continue. That could be Reiki or anything you know there's we're at a such a turning point in the spiritual uh community i think and and those who are ready to um make contact are going to be the, the the next vanguard so um yeah i think uh, oddly enough for me uh it's been rather than i've connected and interfaced with a lot of people that are not directly involved with the et contact uh movement but are interested so uh that could be the ancient koshinto the ancient shinto teachers and i get invited to a lot of different schools and and uh groups uh, around japan and um and and we collaborate and 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 uh, you know mingle our knowledge and and uh you know that sort of um advances both of our worlds yeah so so there but there are other uh are there spiritual teachers there that are coming out and saying you know sort of what we're saying too there yes yes for sure um i think yeah they're, they're uh they're definitely and especially with this youtube shift it's been a big explosion in the last couple of years so um uh you it, what, there were people who haven't been published but are really active on youtube doing a lot of live streaming now and and uh have a huge following there this sort of new generation is really uh, mm -hmm. come up into into play in the, in the last just year or two. So it's been exciting. Wow, that's interesting. You know, one more thing I wanted to cover in this kind of international forum, it's something I think about sometimes is that, and I don't know, it's just from the perspective I see here in the U.S., is that the U.S. seems to have a imperialistic view or movement concerning UFOs, like, you know, like going to Canada, get a crash, Craft and in Mexico and they've been down to Brazil and they seem to dominate the disinformation and the disclosure world. I mean, although Shao told me a story about where the UFOs landed in China and the officials went up to them and made a treaty 
with these beings. But, well, Shao, why don't you talk about the U.S. role as an imperialistic force and also where the Chinese have made their own agreements with the ETs? Yeah, I think, actually, I think we have to learn a lot from Americans. Um, reason being, everything, you know, regardless whether it's a fashion trade or a, a kind of like a, a, a culture things, like all literally have to start from US first and then slowly to be integrated into uh, different countries. So um, I think it's actually not a bad idea to see more information come from USA first, and then um, other people just review you. Okay, that's how it work, and maybe we can. But they dominate the they, they dominate the scene, and they maybe we don't hear about information from other parts of the world. Yeah, true, and uh, I understand where you're coming from, but that's a lot of works need to be done by uh, people from different countries. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, like a, a, a Japanese and Chinese and Korean or, you know, French or European people, because when I watch YouTube, like I want to learn more information, more than 70% of spiritual ufology information from USA and Canada. Um, but we just have to encourage people from different world to share more information about it. So rather than just wait for uh, American to share first, but I do agree with you on that. Like uh, I'm just hoping that for the local North American, um, if they could just maybe just a uh, uh, join different channel and listen to people like us. We got much to share about what's going on in Asia, Latin America, in European country. That'd be very interesting. So we can put all the puzzles together. So yeah. Yeah. it really pinpoints how backwards um, the the powers that be are approaching this phenomenon. Right? You have the American government with the largest military in the world, and they're approaching it from a military standpoint. Right? Grant Cameron and I had a conversation the other day about, you know, rumors that they've had craft and stuff. They can't figure out how to fly it. Well, of course you can't. You're approaching it from the, a completely, the complete opposite way you should, right? You aren't thinking consciousness links here. You're thinking, how can I get this thing up in the air and maintain air superiority? Right, right. That's, of course, going to backfire on them. but. It, it, we really do have, like Shao said, we have to come together as a global population and put all the pieces together and, and see what we're really dealing with because I think part of the reason that it's not being disclosed is that the governments of the world don't know what's here. Like they're just, like you said, Pete, looking at it in terms of military. So, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. uh, the, the reason why I hesitated to answer your question, Alan, about the, uh, the people taking the lead here is because um, uh, up until that uh, YouTube explosion of a couple of years ago, there was a real um, kind of old boys network and, and a serious media, con media control laid out here. And uh, that's also part of the culture where um, this uh, senpai and kohai, where the pioneers of the field had, have such a uh, dominant um, legacy that the, the newcomers are always under their wing. So that's why um, people might be wondering why are, are Pete and I two Americans doing this in Japan is that we're able to escape that cultural control. It's a very um, top down, um, you know, a very uh, traditional so uh, society in Japan. So the, 
the, uh, the, the, the um, kind of the US intelligence elements have worked with that to their advantage uh, up until very recently. So the, uh, the, U the actual UFO can research scene has been pretty tightly controlled and um, well, uh, who was, was the who were the old guards? Who were you talking about specifically? Um, the old one guy. Uh, I won't. Well, he's uh, past eighty now, but his uh, Mr. Uh, Yaoi Junichi. He's um, he had a like the largest. Um, I think he did you know several hundred uh, shows. He had a long running uh, primetime special on UFOs through the nineties and stuff. And you know um, the only information available at that time had a certain. X-Files twist to it, but um, even after he retired, um, you know, his group and his sort of um, dominance were, he was, you know, working with, uh, you know, what we now know to be uh, kind of U.S. Uh, controlled elements and whatnot. So I, you know, we had that kind of shadow, uh, you know, and uh, he was on, you know, not on my back, but, you know, we had a lot of uh, media opportunities stolen and, and interfered with, with these, uh. um, one of the other ones is a, a magazine called Moo, and, and, and in an interview Pete and I did together, people might have seen the recent um, Fukushima uh, Research Center. This was sort of like a PR stunt, and they have, it's like, um, you know, this magazine, it's, it's uh, they've really, the UFO subject was sort of put into the quote-unquote occult topic, where it's, it's, a, it's dealt with along with um, hauntings and you know Blair Witch Project, like Poltergeist, there. So and also the Nessie, like Loch Ness monster. So it's right. th these. They've had this sort of a, a not very serious spin on it. So besides Bashar and uh, like Neil said, Lisa Royal and 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 some and besides the channeling people here, there was a very um, a dearth. There was a lack of quality content. So that was our mission to really kind of be that bridge between the the more spiritual audience and and to kind of get past this um, stigmata of the past. So it's like the old guard didn't even consider consciousness or spirituality. It was just all nuts and bolts. Is that yeah, what nuts and bolts, very fear or fear based. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same was the same here. You know, these old guard like I mean, I'd like Stanton Friedman, but he would never talk about consciousness or, you know, yeah. Remember the show Unsolved Mysteries? I don't even yeah. remember who that host is. Imagine if that host was like still on TV. It's just that kind of unnatural, unnatural kind of like, you know, they have a very strong legacy culture here in Japan where unless the person like either dies or retires, it's the same in the scientific community. You know, the theories don't change until the scientists pass away. They, they say, you know. Um, right. That's what they say everywhere, though. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. Um, you know, uh, thank, thank goodness there's been this changing of the uh, generations. In China, too, Xiao, you were saying? Look, I totally, I, I, I totally agree. <laughs> I have experienced so much like that from China, to be honest, like those like old gods, like they just feel like I've been here so long, you are the newcomer, you know, who are you, you know, why you suddenly become very famous. So that like, uh, they just want to win the respect. So if you're a newcomer, like even a younger generation, you just have to under their wing or, you know, they overshadow you, like everything you do seems like I have to report to them, let them know, even the conference, you have to invite them. Otherwise they get upset. Like I've got an instance, which is real story. Um, someone in our community just got so jealous about quite a few things. They literally called the police, tried to ruin the conference. And 
we didn't do anything wrong to them. Just they're just not happy with that. They just want to ruin things up. So yeah. you will get people behave like that in our community. I'm not talking about other countries. Just from my own experience and my friends' experience, this thing do happen in China. That kind of legacy, like I've been talking about this for thirty years. Mm. I'm here. You know who are you? Oh, you know, they try to give you a bit of hard time. So, so it constantly battling, not just from the government level, but um, from those old guards in the community, they are just lack of that collaboration, try to support each other to see things to raise up. And so not to mention about, you know, consciousness, it's, it's like a, a, a new thing done, like they wouldn't even go there. It's just very difficult. Right. And, you know, the problem is, like, they try to set the narrative and that's why they want to keep that's yeah. that's how it is. This is what we're looking at. And, and, you know, what I'm finding here and all the things that Neil and I and a lot of people do, there is no narrative. There is no one story. It's 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 what I like Linda Moulton House. She says this is like um, a 16 layer chess game. You know, it's like. No, no one has the whole view of this thing because I think it may be, be beyond at some point our level of the limited human beings understanding. I think we have the capacity, right? If we draw, if we separate ourselves from like our conditioning, right? What you going to say that? 100%, 100%. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You know, Whitley Stryver has a great quote in a recent documentary where he says, we need to hold on to the question. The implication mm. being, once we start to think we have the answer, we're on the wrong track, right? And mm. there very well may be biological limitations within our physical forms that keep us from understanding what this is, right? Well, it might be yeah. like trying to teach calculus to a snail. It's mm -hmm. just not going to happen, okay? <laughs> right? However, you know, from my experience, from your experiences, we do know we have consciousness. I do believe we have souls. There is a way out. At some point, we will mm. be able to understand. But in the here and now, it may not be possible. All we can do is try. Thank you for beautiful. That's really well said. Yeah. yeah. No, I think we are equal to whatever's out there on a soul level. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We may not have the intellectual capacity. The thing not about the snail. I, I always say, does your dog know what you're doing on the computer? Like, <laughs> like that. But I think through these altered states, through this time, we have a glimpse of meeting these beings on an equal ground. That's, yeah. that's what we're doing is we're peeking behind the curtain, all of us, you know, the way the, the Shao's modalities, Greg, Greg's modalities, my modalities, yours, we're peeking yeah. behind the curtain. We know it's possible. It is possible, but it's like these old guard uh, UFOs, we have to get beyond the box that we've put ourselves in as human beings so yeah. well yeah i think we are getting out of the box and it's actually happening on the mainstream narrative too because if you look at even like the mainstream disclosure that's coming out right and then everybody has their own opinions on whether they are doing it for the betterment of humanity or not i personally feel if it's coming from a military perspective about weaponizing space foregoing the fact that these who these beings are and going straight to technology maybe it's not for that but 
even when they talk about the technology, they're getting interdimensional now with it, right? And for example, when one of the first hardcore disclosure things happened like four or five years ago, they were saying that these craft are doing things that we cannot do, right? And then they changed it about a year ago, right? On mainstream news outlets. And they said, well, actually, these craft are doing things that we know are possible and we've theorized and done on the subatomic level, but they're doing it something that will probably take us a thousand years to get to in the future, right? So the whole understanding of multidimensionality is coming out. And then look at the government documents, NSA documents, CIA documents, what they're showing us in regards to, oh, like, let's talk about the technology. They believe something even deeper on that level, you know, like remote viewing programs is just scratching the surface really of what they know about consciousness. So besides all of that, it's, it's already moved, I feel, into this multidimensional world. And I love what you said, Pete, because you're like saying so many things that I like to say a lot and peeking, we pierce through the veil. And what I like to say with quantum physics, quantum reality, is that what we've done is we've pierced through the veil. We've, we've realizing that the, uh, quantum, um, the quantum world is paradoxical to the Newtonian world, but the quantum world literally creates the Newtonian world. Right. What right. has happened here? We pierce through the um, veil and we're starting to realize the paradoxical nature of reality and that taps into our unlimited human potential. If mm -hmm. this is all some organic holographic projection, you know, and I like to say organic because some people get upset with that whole, whole holographic thing, but on the quantum world, subatomic particles are vibrating in and out of reality. That's a holographic projection right there, right? So we're phasing in and out. What else is possible is really what it comes down to, you know? Right. Well, I just think this kind of conversation is beautiful because we're I'm seeing the reality that people are realizing that we're part of an infinite um, universe and that we're really all human using the same human potential and that there's really, in a way, no need for countries, no need for separation, no need for armies invading other people i mean uh, it's like it's uh, maybe it's my aquarian nature but why are we not just all friends you know <laughs> it's like what, how could we, it's like we're stuck we're stuck i mean human civilization is stuck you know china wants to invade taiwan and russia and the u.s military it's like this is like 20th century thinking and I, nothing nothing has changed we're still, we're stuck we're still clinging to these artificial constructs that have been around since human civilization began and it's really frustrating for all of us you know who who have an understanding of this to sit back and watch it yeah absolutely. i know you, you know one of my favorite lines from john mack and i put in uh, a essay of him in the book, he says, UFOs are like an outreach program from the universe for the consciously impaired. And that's us, the consciously impaired. <laughs> so. We are creating a bridge though. So it's exciting, you know, the, uh, all the doubt, you know, the, uh, the, the connection to the human body and uh, all the quote, the so-called upgrades. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of people are timing their, the meditations, the global meditations with, um, key uh galactic alignments there's been some amazingly powerful shifts in the last couple of years and i I, I find the this whole um changing of timelines and timeline bifurcation is a, a hot topic here uh, lately 
Oh. Is it among the Japanese in yes. particular? Yes. Oh. So, what are uh, they saying about the timelines in particular? Um, well, I, it's just like the, the you know, that even if you, it's, it's like getting, well, I, I say like it's being you're washed, getting washed by a tsunami and you can either be continue, you can, as you continue to resist change, you'll, the wave gets stronger. But when you start to adopt, uh, embrace change, you can then get under the edge of the wave and start surfing it and enjoy it. And, and then that's when reality creation starts. Right. I mean, it's just, I mean, I think we're all like really pushing for this new perspective for the planet and for human consciousness. It's like, this is, this is very satisfying to know that throughout the world, people are waking up to going beyond religion, going beyond nationalism or militarism or patriotism, all those, and all those old time religions and, and that we can actually create a new world based on this level of communication. And, and, and I'm so happy to hear people in China are interacting in those altered states of dreams. You know, they're actually having some experiences there that are even beyond the, the repression that's happening in China. They're still, you can't stop those, that inner connection to the phenomena. So, so where are we going? What's our plan as a glo as global citizens? What, what do you think? I mean, we're doing it by having a discussion, but is there anything else that we can do to, I don't know, wake up? I'm just putting it out there. I don't know. I just, I'm just putting out what else is possible. Shout, repeat. Yeah. I was just going to say, in my opinion, the best thing any individual can do is just be open about it. And that's a huge leap. You know, it's a huge leap to go out there and say, listen, hey, like, I, it's a huge leap to say, I believe in UFOs, or I believe in ETs, or I believe we can contact ETs, or, you know, these, it's a huge leap. But yeah. in, if individuals, so many people around the globe have experienced this, if we all came out and shared it openly, that would start a wave. Mm -hmm. do, do you think maybe there's some ET civilization that's working with the governments to keep it secret because they're invested in something like, like Xiao, you talked about that landing in China. Can you tell that story? Because... Um, Maybe there's an ET presence that doesn't want to be known. That's, but yeah, tell that story, Xiao. Yeah, I just want to share a very famous case in China. It's called the Hangzhou Airport Incident. Reason why I want to share that is because there's a lot of um, very important information in the milestone, not just for Chinese, but also for the China as well as a nation. So what happened in a, a short summary is, I think back in 2011, I could be wrong about the date, like around July time. So there was a, a very like a cigar, or maybe more, yeah, like a cigar shape, like a rock shake, uh, shape UFO um, appeared uh, at Hangzhou Airport at nighttime around 7 p.m. on 8 o'clock. So, so many people actually witnessed uh, such a uh, UFO sighting. But funny enough, straight after that incident, um, 
the government people arrived, they actually blocked the entire airport. So no flights can come in or out. If you know Hangzhou, it's actually a very large city in China. So that Hangzhou airport is very busy. In order for them to block the entire, you know, flights coming now, which is a pretty big job. So that's what's, there's a different layers of troops. Um, released to the public. The first layer is people like uh, the residents near the Hangzhou airport, not just the people in this side. They witnessed the UFO. So they take picture of it. So it's, it's released in the media. It's just so many of them to the stage that it's literally impossible for the Chinese government to deny this actually happened. And then I even know the people, um, I literally met that person who was at that time in the airport trying to catch a flight back to where he, I don't know, from in different state in China. He saw, that's the second layer of the truth, the UFO actually landed at the airport. Because of that, they have no choice but to block the flights in and out. So um, that's just the second layer. People don't know. People just think, oh, according to the information online, this is sighting. But no, there's more than that. The second layer of the truth is that that UFO is actually landed, not just that, you know, cigar shape, but also there's like a, a smallish spaceship around and seems like try to protect this major mothership. So it's like a a few hundred meters long, but there's a second layer to the truth, which is very interesting. Um, I think I might be able to share a bit more, but not in super detail because I could be in trouble. Uh, what I heard from a very reliable source, um, I'm pretty confident that's 99% truth, is that UFO landed was pre-planned between the local government and that alien race. So what I actually heard is it's a, like a federation ship. So it's not just from a particular planet, but it's more like, you know, we have a United Nations, so like a federation of like alien, some kind of connection. So the UFO actually landed, the military can. So they blocked the whole area. Nobody can see because, you know, they got all the uh, kind of camps around the whole place. So what happened after that? is there were three aliens came out of the spaceship in the middle was a very short one that's what i heard like 150 centimeters tall something like that and two right next to it are very tall beings so without going into too much detail apparently they tried to strike a treaty with the military in china um, in exchange for four different things like, for example, like technology, uh, med uh, med medical benefits, uh, something like that, without to be too much in detail. Um, so I feel like uh, that's how much I can share. But what I heard that they actually uh, reached a treaty more or less. So that treaty will eventually impact the traje uh, trajectory of China. Like I'm as a nation. So that being classified as very a serious matter. So the people who share information with me literally got uh, um, more than just uh, verbal information. There's actual very concrete evidence um, from. Uh, you know, right. So, uh, but, you know, something like 
that. That's much I can share. So I believe, you know, alien, like for those beings to come to this planet, they will not just sign one treaty with just American government. It must be quite a few with, you know, governments around the world. Well, it sounds like the Eisenhower story. I don't know if it's true where Eisenhower met these ETs and he did do a treaty where he would get technology them from them in exchange for human abduction, abducting the citizens of the of this country at least. So I don't know if that's true, but it may if that did happen, it may have also happened. I know you can't say, but around the world in other countries. So um, I don't know. Do you think, well, Greg and, and Pete. Well, quick, quick comment on that, Alan. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, as you were speaking, Shal, I remembered the citizen hearing of disclosure, right? And um, Dr. Sun Shi, the, um, the translator to Chairman Mao, was at the citizen hearing. Are you guys familiar with this? Um, oh, yeah. And he said, uh, it's been so long, but he said something about the Chinese government having info about being connected to a dragon race. Something uh, along those lines. About a dragon race, but I can put this way. I'm not saying it's the truth. I'm just saying hypothetically that could happen. Uh, how could I say it? Like maybe mm. the, the treaty are real. Like I don't know. I'm just put there for mm. people to think about. And maybe the highest people in the government. I'm not saying who. I'm just saying mm -hmm. could be already uh, met with them. So that's not much I can say. Like, uh, I believe it's more than just American government have that connection, and they all do. But look, it's not just what the alien wants, but also what the Chinese government wants. Of course, they don't want these things to be shared uh, with the you know the local people because it may create chaos and may. That's just what I feel like. It's just what they think, but their core belief is they don't want this alien um, open contact to affect their political regime. Because once wow. if everything is revealed, it's going to shake the foundation of religion and politics. They got too much to lose, so they can't allow this full disclosure to happen. Well, that's what's happening here in the US, I think for the same reason. But, you know, my, my question is, do you think there's ETs in charge of all the governments that are stopping disclosure. I know it's getting away from our other point, which was great about spiritual awakening, but that's the, uh, what, what do you think? I, I think uh, yeah, I think definitely that my experience has been involved with that. And, and I take a look at, look at it like a dimensionalist perspective. Even Rudolf Steiner, Steiner spoke about uh, the resistance he met um, kind of uh, like uh, with the astral, like the lower astral realms and breaking in through this Break, speaking of piercing the veil, going from uh, 4D into the actual interdimensional sort of a 5D, you know, multidimensional includes the the physical, the non-physical, and in the non-physical, there's the, the 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 what we've experienced is, I think, uh, a bias in the fourth dimension slash astral realm, in, in in all its gradations. So when we really clear and go out into the causal or the 5D and above. Um, it's a it's really a whole new ball game, and I think there's even uh, there's elements of control for sure in the in in 4D. I mean that could involve uh, even military psi programs like the remote viewing and remote influencing, which we've been uh, had a lot of inference here with our project uh, and uh, espionage and that element. And then there's also beings and and in the uh, 
in the lower in the astral who um, are just either ignorant or they have their own agenda the the uh, the collective consciousness of humanity in different um, societies that is resistant to change and uh, you know even as far back as Steiner he he, he uh, um, talked about you know whether it be called spiritual attack or or kind of resistance uh, that could be misconstrued in a lot of different ways. No, no, but I think you're right. There could be lower astrals that are just trying to maintain the old vibration here. And that's why what we're all saying, it's it's about changing our vibration if we're going to break out of the matrix. And it doesn't yeah. matter what government or what religion we ha it's, you know, the way out is the way in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, there's a, you know, there are literally like you start to with that kind of enhanced uh, psychic vision you really start to see these construct constructs of limitation and they're they're, phys they're spirit emotional they're mental they're they're and they're spiritual and uh, energetic and so i think w with my training here non-physically involved sort of the, the the key aspect the chi aspect as well and a lot of the um uh energy workers and, and type of types of modalities um I incorporated, I inter, uh, interacted with here was a sort of training in energetic self mastery. And that's, that's really gotten to show me this, you know, that other sort of unseen type of control, because there is um, a whole esoteric culture here in Asia, actually, of um, uh, mudras and abusing. Um, there was actually studied and incorporated by US uh, intelligence over the years. But, uh -huh. um, you know, there's many, many ways to use the hands to uh actual get you know politicians here and uh, have problems with that and uh you know you know there's a uh, energetic interference and and ancient techniques that have um tie into egong and qigong and stuff like that as well um and so that that was my training with this astral um thing because i i was in i would be doing a lecture and, and someone would would what they call the overshadow like someone in the audience is 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 uh, all of a sudden like breaking my strain of thought and I know, and I would get washed away. And, and then sometimes I would realize that they were aware of it. And then other times I would say, Hey, stop that. I stopped my lecture and say, would you stop that with your hands? And then they literally snap out of a trance and they're saying, Oh, what, what? And then, you know, they, they were, they come up to me after and say, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, did I do something to offend you? And, and, and then, you know, and then it turned out there was, they were what they call in Japanese, Hyoi. they're like overshadowed by this, by a, a spirit of some sort, you know, Oh. Alan, you said something so brilliant there. And what it was is the way out is to go in. And mm -hmm. on a much smaller scale, I'd like to use an analogy I talk about when I talk about astral projection. People think astral projection is okay, I'm going to lay down and I'm just going to exit my body. That's not how it works. You go deep inside your own consciousness. And that allows you access to the astral realm. Now, that's a small example, but the same principle applies to everything we're talking about here. The way out is to go in. You know, that, that makes sense. And it's like we have to go into our individuality in order to connect to the collective, in a sense, you know, because on that deep core, we're all connected. We're, look, we're all from around the world and we're all speaking the same language, understanding the same ideas. And, and I think we as a human civilization can wake up to the fact of who we really are, our true, our true essence that's, that goes beyond those 
old limitations. So we're connecting to source, right? You know, that, see, that's yeah. even beyond yeah. the ET. That's the direction yeah. they're pointing us in. It's all back to source, yeah. You think the ETs are connecting us back to, are pointing the way back to source? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I they're just so intermediaries. Cool. They're just a, they're just a bridge, a, a you know, a, a way to help, a spark to light the fire. Yeah. And maybe they're doing that because um, our disconnection, as some people say, may affect theirs. Like you know, the Bodhisattva vow: no one wakes up until everyone wakes up. True. So. Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah, I often use that analogy that the 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 quickest way to a lot of times to explain who the ETs really are or what how they interact with us is like a Bodhisattva. Yeah. Right. And, you know, uh, something that Linda Moulton House says, you know, whole atomic explosion that happened, well, in Japan actually sent a shockwave through our time space continuum. Just, I don't know if that's true, but it makes sense, you know, that. Yeah. Well, Dolores Cannon did, was not into the esoterics and she was regressing people. And it wasn't like she was looking for extraterrestrials or life between life regressions and then all of a sudden through her technique she was getting this voice in which she found out that many people were saying the same thing that as soon as nuclear testing began before the japan when they were testing mm -hmm. that they just there was this call out to the universe you know and there was the law of non um the law of non um interference, interference right so and gene roddenberry like there's even that's a whole podcast on its own where he got his information from but um, in that law of non-interference meant the best way to make change on Earth was to incarnate onto Earth. Uh, so, the star seeds, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a beautiful one. And yeah, there goes that. the boom. Although the non-interference like law doesn't seem to really be in effect, you know, because there's been a well, lot. That's the whole end of quarantine thing. Well, the whole prophecy that many people said the end of quarantine is that the law of non-interference has pretty much gone now, but they're still waiting for us to be at the consciousness level in order to really communicate without creating wars and all that disharmonic things. Mm. So maybe we should continue and have like a maybe live worldwide forum, you know, where a lot of us can gather and maybe Japan or, or someplace where we can all share information of this higher conscious and, and techniques for lucid dreaming and out of body travel. Like these are all human potentials that we've forgotten. I mean, the Egyptians knew it. The Egyptians trained in that, um, Ba and Ka, and so that's part of the suppression of the matrix is to keep us from our true gifts. And um, yeah, a lot of the human hidden, a hidden human history, uh, right. as it's called. I love the. So we're actually retrieving a lot of that um, light code, and and it's it's a part of the uh, genetic manipulation that went on, and the upgrades and downgrades. I think that's when you get deeper, deeper and deeper into contact the esoteric elements start to come into play and and um yeah it's it's uh, uh the, the we've had damage in the light body and so a lot of the healing work we do with the et guides is, is a a you know kind of replenishing the energy body mm -hmm. and the uh, the spiritualization of the the uh, aura yeah the... that's the portal to ascension that's exactly the portal you're talking <laughs> it's about. our own ship yeah it's our own we have our own light ship yeah yeah <laughs> And, and we're in such an accelerated time that um, I think we just have to keep having this conversation worldwide and um, bring in more people. There's a woman from Iran who wants to come in on the next conversation and South America has a huge UFO and spiritual connection Latin Amer all over mm -hmm. Latin America and the Italians and the French and the English 
Um, the people well, like France, France released the UFO documents years before, yeah, before most people in the world, definitely before the US. So that would be a, a really interesting thing to go deep into. So what we're all saying, this is a worldwide phenomenon. This is not about countries or races or, or, or nationalities. This is, and it needs to be looked at like that. So even if the U.S. has hearings, it'll probably just be all focused on what we know, which, you know, who knows if that'll ever happen. But I think it's like somebody said, Mark Sims actually originally said, this is a people's movement. This is, yeah. this is up to us. So let's keep connected. Put the pedal to the middle. Let's yeah. put the pedal to the middle. <laughs> so, so what's your, where's your work going in ufology now for, you know, next couple of months or years? Yeah, so um, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do is to connect with Asian UFO researcher like uh, Pete and Great. So we try to form some kind of like a contact, more like alliance without like in, uh, uh, legally speaking, like institutional mode, but more like a brand we catch up. So we just want to exchange some information about what's going on in Asia continent, keep everybody up to date. And then if we know any progressive information from Asia, like in China, Japan, or Korea, then we can share with you the new. And we just to keep that dialogue ongoing. For example, the next topic could be the open contact. So what I've been told uh, last year in April by um, uh, ET beings is she made a very very clear to me that full contact will happen. Like there's literally no doubt about that, but I haven't been told about date. So I think something will happen. Um, it's, it's, it's maybe just uh, some kind of divine in, like intervention or somehow will happen beyond just the human level. Like we are doing what we do at this stage, but something will happen like big event that will push that major agenda to happen. So when that happened, like I really want to focus on right now, even though it's jumpy a bit, is the post full disclosure movement. Like what's going to happen? Like what's our role in this grand scheme of things? What kind of role will you and a new play? Will you just be a YouTuber or you will be step up to become like an alien ambassador? Yeah. In some form? Like, I mean, in the official way, yes. like all of us, what I've been told is, have some kind of uh, strategic alliance with certain group of ETs and they all have different agendas. Um, so I believe that when the post full disclosure happened, um, that's what I try to focus on, like getting contact with Greg and Pete from Asia. We can gather those information and share with you and others like Neil. We can say, okay, from our information, that seems like when the post full disclosure going to happen, so, such and such, will play a role in this mm -hmm. and what happened how the political thing is going to change and uh, whether or not um we will have government structure is a big question we may not even have that anymore so how are we going to evolve to the next stage how are we going to deal with the crisis this and that so i think i want to focus on that and share more Beautiful. information from what i can hear from the ets and my peers from asia and other continents Oh, yeah. that's, that's so beautiful that's 100 up my alley too what i'm thinking you know is about what the next step is because when i first had i had a dream in 2008 to change the name to portal to ascension the group that had been around for two years online and i had a 20-year download in one moment of everything that i was going to do and pretty much everything actually every single thing that i was 
downloaded happened maybe even two years before it was supposed to happen and the eventual thing was to create landing docs and not um maybe and then when i started evolving my consciousness to you know beyond the nuts and bolts is more like contact centers you know to interact and communicate so right now i'm traveling the world full-time looking for land to build oh the first one yeah uh, one of the things I heard from my friends and I is they told me very clearly. They say, look, I know that you feel like you're small at this stage. You know, I'm talking about me, like just the average Joe Blow in the, like, in the world, get nine to five jobs. Um, but they say, we want you and others. They mentioned you and others, not just me, to be there at this stage because you guys will play a big role in the future at this stage, because we're living such a paradigm and matrix, which is who we are, you know, we try to survive and get things done. But eventually when we make a major breakthrough, everything will change. And all of us will step up to fulfill our mission. I think there's more to it, more than just the current state of our work. I'm pretty confident about that. Yeah, I'm sure about this. They may have a bigger role to play in the future, Neil. So let's see. You know, as we re as everything gets restructured, and in this new world, a lot of jobs and professions that currently exist oh, will be yeah, obsolete, yeah. especially with certain technologies. And many yeah. people that are light workers working an accountant job, you know, what I mean, they're gonna everybody's gonna be restructured, and a lot of people have been. I get this all the time. Absolutely. What's my mission? What's my purpose? When am I going to do it? And I'm just like, first of all, yeah. I feel we're, we are, we come with this light beam that just being allows you to really bring this energy there. But secondly, when stuff shifts even more and more, a lot of, it's going to be game time, you know, and a lot of us that are like overseas from each other, probably be hanging out more in person and doing some actual, actual yeah. shifts in the world. Oh, you absolutely. Know? Yeah. That totally resonates with me. So we just have to prepare for what's coming next. So, yeah. I just want to say there are people starting to build an embassy. There's a guy in Canada, Sylvain, and um, there's another guy in Missouri. But also you reminded me, Shao, of this organization that I invited um, someone. Do you, do you see this here on the screen? Yes. Yes. Do you know that group? Uh, not, now I know. International Community for Alien, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Don Schmidt told me about this, and this is an international where they are collecting different countries together to be part of uh, this International Community of Alien Research. Let me see, I haven't looked at this that much, but the core activities, do you see that on the screen? Yeah, yeah. well, you mentioned about this. Um, I know a senior UFO researcher in China. He has uh -huh. actually also contact with a Syrian group and he literally told me a few times this year that he has set up a embassy um, for the Syrian aliens so he's one of the ambassadors I was like that's very interesting so you can see that structure is basically a blossom everywhere in the world at this stage even in China a very much suppressed sort of country at this stage. Yeah, do you see this page about the international roundtables too? Do you see, yeah. did that come up? Yeah. So yeah. I think we should join forces with these. I actually invited someone from this organization, the ICER organization on, but I guess they couldn't make it. So um, there are things going on that, oops. I don't know why that's happening. Oh, we were introduced sorry. to some land in Northern Japan last year. Definitely that's a, uh, 
not far from Sapporo in, in Hokkaido, the northern island of Japan. So that that came up for us as well last year. It's a exciting proposition to have. Yeah, it's just like you guys are saying. What an amazing vision for the future. And and uh, you know, just when things, uh, all the resources we need, just uh, you know, start to appear, you know, um, quite magically. So as long as you move in the direction of taking it to the next step, uh, all, you know, really big forces kind of get behind you. Right. So I think as these light centers kind of pop up, part of maybe our job is connect the dots, right? Because everyone's just, there's a, there's guys in uh, Brazil, the Docula organization, and there's Sixto Paz um, doing something in Peru. And so there are people, and it'd be great to get some of those leaders together in our next discussion, yeah. because, yeah. you know, I think part of what we're doing is is connecting the dots for you the rest of the world who have no idea what's going on they're just listening to whatever their government tells them you know and so it's exciting times i think we're really all and everyone watching on youtube is at the cutting edge of what's possible and um you know imagine the whole planet waking up together like that it's pretty miraculous so um so where's your work go then greg and the, where are you what's your plans for the next months and years um i'm working on three books right now uh and one of them is uh, a, a full color kind of uh ascension activation book um that we hope to get into english as well uh, yeah but we're we're sort of um uh winter is always a time where i'm working on uh video and kind of book projects and everything and then we're hoping to just continue to serve our community and um you know we do our contact seminars and outings and and so eventually i definitely we have a, 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 a quite a large archive of night vision footage in all of our field work so i hope to be able to put that into a, some sort of documentary film um in the next year or so as well and i, I definitely look forward to uh you know collaborating with all you guys in the, in the near future as well definitely definitely be great to uh and um and, and what about you, Pete? What's the MUFON Japan? Where's that going? Yeah, I just hope to continue to raise awareness here in Japan. Um, also help uh, collaborate with all of us in the international community. Um, I'm also, in this year, I'm looking forward to presenting and trying to help people use the contact modality I use to reach aliens via astral projection and just follow the path. I think we mm -hmm. all have a path. I have a path. I'm going to follow it. Do you think the aliens are getting close, whatever those, whatever we call them, maybe they're not even alien, but is that getting closer to us or are we getting closer to them? I mean, what is your feeling? Because I couldn't say, I couldn't say to tell you the truth. I don't have the answer to that. I, I hope so. My fingers are crossed. You know, when I said that, maybe I thought of Whitley Strieber's um, ideas like when we wake up to the fact that something's there, that's a invitation for them to meet us yes yeah. yeah i mean that, that's that's the ideal uh, the reason i say that i don't know is because of course the state of the world right now is just in right. upheaval right you know hopefully all of this dies down and we can all continue the consciousness movement and we will be getting closer right great and neil portal to ascension tell everybody what's coming up there because it's very exciting yeah, so I'll just mention a few upcoming events. Well, firstly, I'll I'll jump forward 
about a month and a half or so to our signature annual conference, Portal to Ascension Conference. This is the, um, I guess it's the sixth annual, but we did two in one year. So I don't even know how to calculate that at this point. But so it's basically fifth slash six, 5.5th annual Portal to Ascension Conference. We have um, 35 speakers, um, two panels, seven MCs, 10 hours a day, April 15th, 16th, and 17th. And it's just um, what we've been doing over the last couple of years since it was live in Irvine. And it's going to be back live again in San Diego in 2023, in April 2023, right next to SeaWorld. It's going to be a beautiful experience there. Um, so the ones that we've been doing online since, you know, this whole current world situation, we've done three of them now, have been free or by donation. And the intention for it is just to infuse the timeline with nonstop consciousness, positivity. If there was if there was um, a subheading to this, it would be heal the divide, you know, and just like come together. And I'm actually creating a conference called Heal the Divide in June, which is going to specifically be about unity consciousness. So that one is free or by donation, portaltoascension.org, go to the online events, sign up there, and then just a couple other um, amazing events coming up. Well, Marina Seren, Make Contact with ETs, Different Ways in, to Contact and Interact with ETs, um, is on Thursday this week. And then we have Kamora Jones, which is the following um, weekend. Creative you guys Identity. know Kamora's artwork? Do you know who she is? It's Art Soldier 77. Amazing. Uh, multi Greg, you should see her. Yeah. Art Soldier 77. This, when I look at her work, it, it brings me into multidimensional awareness. It's just, it's a transference of color. Beautiful. Look up yeah. uh, it's Art so Soldier cool. 77 on uh, Instagram. Yeah. Oh, this looks yeah. very uh, anime like. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Uh, and, and what else, Neil? Sorry. Right. And the, the day before that, Laura Eisenhower is doing her event. Um, and then on March 26th, something that I'm really, really, really excited for that it's kind of been years in the making. You know, we've done a lot of UFO events, um, spiritual ETs, walk-in starts, these indigo stuff, but this one's called Extraterrestrial Races, Planets, and Technology. And I literally put that title on my to-do list four years ago, and it's finally happening. And Ooh. basically, um, it's so many, uh, you know, normally we have like six people per event, but I just kept packing people on so it's going to be like 12 to 13 hours and you know you can um obviously get unlimited replay access but I'll just tell you about that that's the the immediate conference that i really want everybody to know about extraterrestrial races talking about different races and beings um i wanted to speak about that because for so long i hear plating this syrian this lyran this well aren't those constellations full of multi-dimensional realities and aren't there many different races from there so why are we just specifically categorizing them as one type of race so we're going to have some discussion over that um we're going to talk about planets is there anybody know out there that knows what these planets look like what's on the planets what's the vegetation so we're going to be talking about that technology we have the two people talking about the technology one will be dan winter who is going to talk about you know um physics and basically his research and other mainstream research right now and not so mainstream i guess that is getting us towards um understanding how to travel interdimensionally and be able to you know be the ets visiting others and then adam apollo who's going to do a whole presentation on galactic technology through his astral traveling experiences he's been to many 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 um, civilizations and we did a whole four-hour galactic technology presentation like five years ago with him so he's going to be bringing some of the technologies utilized with different races um who else is going to be there's geraldine roscoe phil gruber barbara lamb mary rodwell Joan of Angels, 
Sorry, Michael White, Jenna Layden, and then Alan and myself, you know, and Adam Apollo as well. So that's going to be amazing. Only coming right. up in, in like two weeks from here, from now. Right. That's really fun. And for me, I'm speaking in Sedona at the uh, Spring Ascension Retreat that Suzanne Ross is putting on with Geraldine Orozco and um, a bunch of other people. William Henry, that's a live event. I might be online. Then I'm doing a UFO conference in San Francisco on March 25th, the Northern California UFO Con. Um, also, on this Sunday, I'm trying to arrange a dialogue between Geraldine Orozco and Marina Sorin about ET contact and free will. Marina's been talking. Do you know Marina's work? Um, yeah. She's been on Marina my channel. Well. She's quite amazing. Yeah. Young. She is. She, she, knows she is a 20-year-old starseed. And what she's talking about now is this resistance to the alien hybrid agenda where she doesn't want to give her genetics to these beings. She's saying no, and she feels like her, her, her um, space is being invaded by them and manipulated. And, and some people say, well, your higher consciousness agreed. So I want to have a little discussion with her maybe and Gerald maybe not. <laughs> Geraldine <laughs> saying, well, maybe it's your higher consciousness agreed to and your lower self is just resisting. And so I think it's interesting to bring up these free will discussion. So I'm trying to put that together. And, Let me know uh, about that. I'd like to join in on that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's see. And then um, a bunch of other things. Uh, but we're, my book, we're hanging out together too, don't forget. Yes, that's right. We're going to be in, in Sedona and Phoenix. We're going to be at a, a CE5. And then you can still get my book. At, I'll put this in the chat there. Uh, but actually, everyone on this talk here, like Pete and Greg and Shao, I'll send you a, a PDF of my book if, if oh, you want. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, you really need to share with Greg because he's got a strong connection with the publisher in Japan. So let's see. Oh, well, I'll definitely send it. <laughs> but that would be great to translate because this is an overview of all the great people in the field. So excellent. Yeah, <coughs> we need the inspiration here for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <coughs> OK, sorry. I guess that means an affirmation, right? So yeah, that, they say that someone's talking about you when you sneeze. So that's that. Those are all your fans talking about you, Alan, in Japan. Well, right? okay. So yeah, you can get my book, but uh, the book is not just my book. It's really what I went and tried to give an overview from the nuts and bolts perspective from people like Nick Pope to like the deeper sense of consciousness. I got an unpublished essay by John Mack. I put in there and. Uh, Whitley Strieber and Linda Moulton Howe and J.J. Hurtak and Desiree Hurtak and, and Mary Rodwell, who's talking about starseeds. She's in Australia. Do you know Mary, Shao? Oh, absolutely. We know each other pretty well. And she's such an amazing lady. She helped me so yeah. much in the past years. I, 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 I actually have a lot of respect for her. So, yeah. Mary is fantastic. I spoke with her just last week about astral travel, and she gave me some amazing tips. Yeah, fantastic lady. You're right. She is one of the all-stars of our team right there. So, um, And then Carolyn Corey just came out with a new movie called A Tear in the Sky. She writes a chapter, but her new movie is about this, this wormhole she detected with scientific instruments called A Tear in the Sky. It's, it's going to be out in April, probably on an online release. So she is one of the leaders in our field, too. I mean, we're all are, but there's people who are putting themselves out there no matter what. Like Neil. Neil is definitely um, putting yeah. himself out there in a big way. So um, thank you, everyone. <laughs>
This has been so enlightening. And just want to say before you close out, Alan, from my end, very enlightening um, conversation. And you guys are really amazing people. I'm so glad to connect with you, Pete, Greg, Shao. Thank you so much. Likewise, it's been wonderful. Thank you all. Yes, let's do this again, guys. I mean, let's um, have a round table. We'll bring in the rest of the world because we're we're all connected. So yeah, no, this has been very good to just feel where we're all coming from. And um, are are there any uh, Japanese people that you'd like to bring in on the discussion? um, Maybe next time, like, Sure, we have a uh, yeah several I could uh, translate or uh, yeah. uh, for we have a, a couple of guests. We're definitely yeah we work with a lot of teachers here. If you're interested, yeah, in talking that. about their own experiences. So yeah, yeah let's cool. just increase this. Let's make it like really the whole world. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Great, great, great. Well, I'm happy that we we did this. Thank you, Xiao, for creating this. Thank you so much thank you, for you inviting us. Surely, yeah. thanks for allowing um, the researchers' work to be shared with your. Yeah, no, this is th- because we're sharing it in these isolated bubbles, but then we can come out to a worldwide platform on YouTube and talk to as many people who want to listen. So, great. Yeah, look, I think it's the intelligence community's message to divide and conquer. We just need to join force and basically keep everybody in the loop about what's going on in Asia, in North America, in yeah. Latin America. At least we know who's who around. If we need information or seek a quick insight, I can reach out to you and Neil. Like, what do you yes. think about that? We can keep everybody in the loop. Like, Greg just about to have a conference. So, you know. You, oh, you what's can... your conference, Greg? What's that? Oh, uh, yeah, we're definitely we're planning an online one. Yeah, we're just uh, similar, like free by don't by noise donations so definitely I'd like to extend an invite to all of you uh you know thinking, thinking about july that's our um anniversary so sometime in july um an online youtube stream what's it called yeah yeah what's um, it called uh well it'll be under the et spi moniker which is the et spiritual the, they call it spiritual in japan spi supi and so uh, it's just a et spiritual that's a going to be one of the uh, it's a, it'll be under that moniker uh basically well, I, yeah i'd love to share some stuff on that i mean if that's it's... actually the fastest way instead of before we could before translating any the book we could you could do a presentation just a, a thumbnail you know overview yeah that'd be awesome okay. no i i think it's great to keep like michelle said the dialogue open because especially in the u.s we they're so self-centered here you know they don't even know another world exists out there so and especially well the et field is sort of like that too you know it's kind of like oh what are the u.s and which and they think they represent the world but no yeah and i think what what we've all covered here is the language barrier is also one key point is that uh japan is an island nation and and china has the the firewall and the government control so on both cases you've got whatever gets translated is here but what but the majority doesn't get translated and and then it just doesn't exist so um so are the pipes the pipes we're creating here are very very important in that regard too yeah thanks is your conference going to be in japanese um i would translate we'll have a few couple of translators uh, and i want to have you know uh, um western researchers coming in here as well so i, I want to do it both ways you want to yeah. stream it on for attention that'd be yeah. great yeah yeah, yeah and, and new realities do you download? yeah yeah. I would, I'd love to stream that and bring that to the world. Yeah. Do you, do you have a date for that? I'm looking at probably early July, but uh, definitely we'll be in t- we can talk about it. Yeah. I'm flexible. 
Well, that sounds great. No, let's. I'm, I'm not going anywhere for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> you like Japan. Japan feels like home for you yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, you know, we're we're all in this together. You know. <laughs> so we'll do. A, we'll have to do a part two of this roundtable before then. But yeah, let, uh, definitely. Oh, maybe every yeah. month we could bring more, more, more parts of the world in. That's what I see. Like doing this, keep keep it keep the dialogue going, and like like what Chelsea said, you discover something here, let's share it there and there and there because we're connecting the dots. That's that's what I feel. Definitely. Yeah. So I just I think that's a brilliant idea to connect with also to essential with Greg's um, kind of yeah. conference and even with Pete, you know, um, move on because it's just raise uh, promote the awareness of both you know uh, uh conferences so japanese will know oh there's a portal of ascension you know a lot yeah. of asians actually can speak and uh, listen to english so they know okay where where to go how to join the news viewers will be very interested into maybe um, information from japan so i think it's very mutual benefit sort of arrangement between definitely them. yeah definitely. awesome well, this has been great, very educational for me, and hopefully people watching on YouTube, we had a pretty good audience on, you know, YouTube, the regular Beautiful. Customer. So, yeah, and I'm, it's both on you realities and Portal to Ascension. We'll send you the links if you want to watch or share it or something, you know. Definitely, so. definitely share Absolutely. it up, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, great. Good Thank work. You, Thank yeah, you, everybody. Have, have a great night. Have a great uh, day. <laughs> Now, oh, it must be what two in the morning in Japan there. Yeah, yeah, just oh, a little bit past. That's fine. Oh, okay, okay. And Australia too. It's late, isn't it? Pete's got to go up on a ship uh, in a minute. He's gonna. Okay. Go. Right. Say hello. <laughs> to hey, hello to our friend. Time for me to go in and then out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Say hello to all our friends. Yeah. Okay. I will. Yeah. Right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks Bye. for watching. We'll be in touch, guys. Thanks a million. Much love. Bye. 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 Bye.